Welcome. You're listening to The Aligned Self, conversations in creating a conscious and abundant life. This is Daniel DeNovi. I'll be your guide and host. Let's see just where we can take this. Hello, friend, and welcome back to the conversation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about twin flames, soulmates, the one, those idealized relationships that we tend to seek out as we're moving through life. If we don't feel like we're currently in that situation, we quietly and subtly hope for and wish for that type of relationship. And if you're currently in a relationship and it doesn't quite feel that way, sometimes this idea plays in the back of our mind that somewhere out there, underneath that big sky, is someone that is perfectly matched for me. And so lately, as the story goes, this idea or these ideas about soulmates and twin flames have been paraded in front of me in my client conversations, on TV, in the media. I believe that the universe has been parading this in front of me so I can talk about it, so I have a viewpoint. My wife and I recently watched uh, a Netflix series called Escaping Twin Flames which was about a new age community uh, and coaching system that promised to unite you with your twin flame. Now, spoiler alert that the Netflix series is all about how this organization is very cult-like in its practices. And I have to admit, in watching the series, I was left with the opinion that, yes, this was indeed uh, cult-like. It was not oriented around your best interests, and I suggest if you have Netflix, you watch the, the series. What There's three episodes. And frankly, I prefer you watch this or investigate for yourself what the claims are so you can arrive at your own decision and not necessarily listen to me. Now, in this episode, I'm going to talk about some of the concepts that they use, some of the practices that they use, and uh, whether or not they're valid or not valid. And revisit the practices that I suggest you have in place to ascertain for yourself whether or not you're stepping into an organization, a process that is not really aligned with your higher good. So first and foremost, I want to talk about the idea of the one. Like there's one person out there, like a perfect connection, a perfect balance, a perfect mate for you somewhere out there. I used to believe that. I used to think about that when I was in my 20s and my 30s. And whenever I would connect with a woman in a relationship, I was asking myself, is she the one? Is this it? Is this the one? And we ask that because when we first come together, there seems to be this heightened level of compatibility. They know my thoughts. They're a perfect match for me. And I've been in that perfect match for at least a dozen times over my life. Now, I, I, want, I want to talk about how the mind works. When we think that there's the one out there, a soul match, a soulmate, even twin flames. Internally, we have a list of criteria that when we meet someone new, we try and fit them into our criteria. Do they have this attribute, this attribute? Oh, we seem to read each other's thoughts. We take this elevated level of rapport and we elevate it. We make it more than it is, especially in the beginning. Now, something else you need to understand about human beings when they first come together, when you first meet friends, when you first meet someone that is a likely 
possibility for a further or a deeper relationship, we tend to hide the aspects of ourselves that we feel are the least attractive. We don't necessarily parade them out front and center. We keep them in the closet. We keep them in the backseat or the trunk. And the person you're relating to is doing the same thing. And the more insecure a person is about their defects, about their shadow aspects, the more they will attempt to hide those aspects, keep them away from you until probably three months in the relationship. This is often referred to as the honeymoon phase or when the first blush of love is there, we're blinded. They, you know, you've heard it, love is blind because we tend to only see the things that we love and appreciate. We see the best attributes in the other person. And the other person is making it easy to do that because more than likely, like I said, they are hiding those shadow aspects, not keeping them or not putting them out there front and center on display for you to evaluate. Because the fear is that if we put that out there, if we show all our faults, show all our warts and scars, that the other person will turn around and run. Now, remember, we're in this frame that there's the one, the soulmate. They either are or they aren't. And so if we're thinking that they are and there's this high level of compatibility or attraction, we will assume they must be the one. Well, this is where I want to clarify. There is no one. There is no soulmate for you. Twin Flames is a figment of your imagination. It's a new age concept that has been taken from Greek mythology. And these ideas have contaminated the mindscape out there, the conversation out in the marketplace and social media. I hear it all the time, especially with women, about embracing the divine masculine and the divine feminine. These are actually concepts from Tantra Yoga that have been twisted and morphed into a narrative in the Western culture. Much of what's taught about Tantra in the West has very little to do with the original teachings of Tantra. You have heard me talk about masculine and feminine energies and our need to balance those in each of our expressions. So if you identify as a woman, balance the masculine energies with the feminine energies so you have a balanced expression. Now, to take this up a notch and and talk about it in terms of consciousness, overall consciousness, all that is, God, goddess, all that is. Now, God, goddess, those are aspects of all that is. All that is is pure consciousness. You can think of consciousness as creating everything. It is everything that's over there and everything that's over here and then everything in between. This is the concept of non-duality, which I've always found that statement to be interesting describing something by which it is not. One could think of it as just pure awareness, pure consciousness. So how does pure consciousness, universal consciousness, come to a point of self-reflection? You need to contrast and compare to something that it is not. Hence, this is how duality is created. Good, bad, black, white, feminine, masculine. Now, in the concept of masculine and feminine, you can think of terms of characteristics. You have being in action on the masculine side, being receptive on the feminine side. On the masculine side, be the approacher. 
On the feminine side, wait to be approached. There's hard, soft, forceful, yielding. And so from these dichotomies, these opposing points of view, we actually create distinctions by which we can have an experience of the universe. Now, you as an individual are whole and complete. You are a spiritual being immersed in the human experience. And because you are divinity, because you are whole, you are a whole aspect of all that is, there is nothing about you that is less than. It is only in our thinking, our perceptions of mind, that create we create ourselves as being less than. Now, we may have just adopted those ideas because of the preponderance of the evidence that was being foisted upon us. Those are big words. Uh, so put another way, uh, the people that were in our lives that were supposed to be taking care of us in one way or another presented us with ideas that we weren't enough. We could do better. That's okay, but man, you could do better. And so we're left with the idea, we're left with a feeling like we're not enough. And because we're trained to, to receive that feedback externally from outside of us, from our parents, from our teachers, from our peer group, then we give up our own autonomy, our sovereignty, and we surrender to the opinions and perceptions of other people about us. And so it seems natural that we would seek another in relationship to help fill the gaps because we experience ourselves as having gaps or deficiencies. And so we, we seek a partner that might bridge those gaps or fill those gaps and complete us. This is where the malarkey starts. The, everything that I'm about is about you being self-directed, inner-directed, that you become your own authority, and that you have an experience of yourself as being whole and complete. That's the work that I do with subpersonalities, my signature program, The Aligned Self, and virtually every other thing that I do, every other topic on this podcast is about you having an experience of yourself as being whole and complete. All the answers are within you. You have everything you need, whether you believe it or not. And so you don't need anybody else. You don't need anybody else. You can want somebody else, to be sure. Now, with that said, as a biological entity, an organism, we crave love and affection. We love to be acknowledged. And I, for one, for years, sought that out in other people. I wanted other people to validate me, to affirm me. And I always was left with the short end of the stick. It was never, ever enough. Even when they did affirm me, because I didn't affirm myself, I was never fully appreciative of their love or their affection or their even their attention. So because I did not feel it inside, I was constantly craving it from outside Yet when I received it from outside, it never fully satisfied the itch. Now, it might have been satisfying for a moment. There is that sense of feeling complete in those moments, but it doesn't last. And I believe because this is a fundamental problem with how we're brought up, fundamental problem in society, in that external validation that we get from our parents, you know, you're a good boy, you're a good girl, this is why I believe parents should teach you, teach their children, you should be proud of yourself. 
Because when you satisfy your own sense of satisfaction and accomplishment from internal sets of references, then ultimately you don't need anybody else to tell you whether or not you're good or doing okay. Now, we do want to balance or take some external feedback into account while we're evaluating from that internal sense of reference or criteria. Put another way, you have to know in your bones that, hey, you're okay, I'm okay. But like I was saying, this is where the whole, the one, the soulmate, and the twin flames idea has been perpetuated in our culture to satisfy this basic underlying need seeking to be validated by someone else because we haven't set up the structures within ourselves to validate ourselves. In that organization featured in Netflix, the Twin Flames universe, I saw them exploiting this want and need in individuals to find a twin flame, to be validated and spend thousands of dollars giving up their personal power, their own internal sense of right and wrong in order to be told, to be directed to finding a match, which often, based on the testimony, was not a match. So again, there is no one for you. There is no soulmate. There is no twin flame. Now, if you don't know what a twin flame is, and it is where a soul has been, I guess, suggested that it's been split into, there are two separate halves, and you come together to experience each other's opposites. Many times a twin flame relationship is has a lot of uh, rough spots in it because your wounds are exposed. And this is one of the things that I found upsetting about this organization because they use a very valid technique called the mirror technique. And that essentially says that what you see in another is actually alive in you. It's disguised. It's just easier to see it in somebody else. But the way it was demonstrated, the way it was used, it was used as a gaslighting technique to invalidate a person's emotions, their emotional response. Basically saying if you had a problem with the relationship, it wasn't the other person, it was you. And so there was guilt and shame that you're not doing enough, you're not doing the work. Which there is a slight truth to it, but ultimately... Sometimes people present themselves as scoundrels. They present themselves as less than desirable and not necessarily there for your best interest. The way this mirror technique was positioned, that if you have trouble with the other person, you ultimately just don't love yourself. You don't love yourself enough yet. Sometimes loving yourself means extracting yourself from a relationship that isn't working. So how do you know when something isn't working? When the other person, whether it's an organization and the people that were in charge here were definitely doling out huge amounts of shame and guilt. If other people are attempting to shame you, to discredit your sense of self, make you feel bad in order to coerce you into work or behavior, then that is manipulation. Also, you should not be required to prove your loyalty. That's assuming that you're not lying or cheating or misrepresenting yourself to the other person. Because oftentimes, if that's the way you're showing up, then the other person has a certain insecurity that is justified to require you to prove your loyalty. And if you've cheated in the past and you come back together, 
you are almost required, if you're recommitting to the relationship, you're required to go over and above to show your trustworthiness to the other person because you've validated that sense of trust. But if you've been showing up day in, day out as being trustworthy, no real reason why the other person should even question your loyalty, then that is coming. That request for proving yourself is coming out of their own insecurity has nothing to do with you, but they will try and shame you. They will try and coerce you into behavior that will fall in line with their criteria. Uh, I don't go for that. That's not not healthy. I'll just say that's not healthy. So there's a chance that you're the one that feels insecure. And so you have doubts about, you know, the trustworthiness of your partner. Now, they may have earned that, or you may be imagining that there's something going on when there really isn't. If you have an internal sense of insecurity, you'll know if you do, that sub-personality, that sub-aspect of you will never, ever trust another person, never fully trust a human being. You'll always be suspect, always be in doubt. And you'll see this as a pattern that will go from relationship to relationship. The other aspect of this organization that I found distasteful is that when you question the authority It was met with, again, shaming and guilt. How dare you? And if you attempted to leave the organization, you were ousted, you were shunned, you were exiled from the group. You couldn't have any contact with anyone that was inside the group anymore because they wouldn't want you and your subversive thoughts to undermine the authority. A healthy leader, a healthy leadership structure welcomes dissent, welcomes questions, not necessarily all the time because that gets in the way or the flow of things, but there is a forum for people to have contrary thoughts or opposing thoughts. There's there's always a good time or a leader should present you a time to, and welcome feedback, welcome an opposing view. But I will say this, there's times when, and there's a time and place for this, you know, when when things have to happen in a hurry, I don't want to hear any back talk. I don't want to hear any questions. I want you to do what I want you to do when I ask you to do it. And so this takes a certain amount of discernment. And again, this is why I say all the time, live your life from inner signals. Be inner directed. You have to have a certain amount of discernment when you're moving about the world. And the thing you need to be discerning about are the people that are in your lives, the leaders that you listen, even me. I want you to question my congruency. Am I congruent? Is the message on point? Is it the same from episode to episode? When you're taking instruction from a leader, whether it be this organization or at the, at work, is there congruence? Is the leader congruent in their communication? Are they walking their talk? So what I gave you was a short list of criteria by which you could judge an organization, judge a message, judge a coach. Are they congruent? Do they walk their talk? Do they allow you to leave if you want? Can you be a dissenter? Can you express your opinion? This is really a fine line because when clients come to me, they're paying me to get my expertise. To They're paying me for my opinion. And I've had clients that have questioned everything I say. And I tend to drop them. And you might be saying, Daniel, that's, that doesn't sound like you're being the congruent leader. Well, from a coaching perspective, if you're having an issue with your life 
and I'm giving you coaching, I'm giving you instruction and in how to overcome it, and you question it based on your perspective, well, you're not coming from a place of expertise in handling what you want to accomplish. If you had the answers, if you already had the strategy, if you already knew what to do, then you would have already done it. And so what I'm saying from the perspective of a coach, if you're seeking my advice, at least go with the program, test it out. Is it work for you before you question it, before you judge it? This falls in that category. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. Now, let me talk a little bit more about relationships. When I first met my wife, I was not immediately attracted to her. She was beautiful. I had no reason not to be attracted to her. But in that moment, there was something about her that just kind of turned me off. And I was wondering to myself, what's going on here? It wasn't until she got up and went to the bathroom and I was thinking about it and I realized, I realized she did not have the particular dysfunction by which I was typically attracted to, meaning that she didn't need me. I mean, she was relatively well-adjusted. Her life was together. There was no gap that I was seemingly filling. Now, that was scary to me at first because it meant that I was, I guess, disposable. Like she could get rid of me because she didn't, quote unquote, need me. But then I thought about it. Well, if I'm in her life, it's because she chooses me. It's because she wants me there. And I do have to confess, if there were such a thing as a soulmate, it would be her for me. We are very compatible. But just because we're highly compatible, it doesn't mean that we don't have our differences either. Now, the reason I think we are so compatible is because I feel like I attracted her. I created a list of 65 items that I wanted in my ideal relationship and partner. And she checks off just about every item on the list. Now, with that said, and we expand this idea of law of attraction, the items, failings, and limiting ideas that I've had about myself are mirrored in her. She's the perfect mirror for that. She is the perfect playground to work on those items. Fortunately, by the time I met her, I had already worked on myself to a great degree. And so I was presenting myself as a fairly whole and complete partner. When you have not done the work, when there are shadow beliefs inside you, beliefs and limitation that I'm not lovable enough, I'm not enough, more than likely, that will be mirrored in the relationship. You will attract a partner that will bring that to the surface. You will either have to deal with it or you're going to suffer. And occasionally, these relationships are the ones that are meant for the long haul. There's someone that are going to be there with you and work through these items with you as a partner. And sometimes these are meantime relationships. These relationships actually bring all this stuff to the surface in order to prepare you for your next relationship, especially if you're doing the work and the other person is not, or they're doing the work and you're not. There's going to be a level of incompatibility there at some point. Incompatibility for the long haul. Now, I can look back over every relationship I've ever been in, short-term, long-term. There was some aspect of that relationship that allowed me to learn more about myself to become a better human being, for the most part. To learn more about myself, to learn how to love better, express myself better, communicate better. 
But again, underneath that was that belief that I was looking for the one. So I was making a lot of mistakes. I was creating a lot of detours for myself. I could have moved, I guess, maybe faster. No, it wasn't. I moved as fast as I could to find the woman I found. And she made herself available, extracted her from the circumstances in her life to be ready for me at the right time. And so in that regard, we attract the relationship by which we are open to receive. Again, let me say that. We attract the relationship by which we are open to receive. And so whichever relationship you are currently in, you attracted that dynamic to yourself for yourself, for better or worse. So in this episode, I talked about the many dynamics about consciousness, about compatibility, about relationships in general. And I really want to drive home that there is no the one. There is no such thing as a soulmate or a twin flame. Those concepts are actually grounded in scarcity. From this concept of abundance in law of attraction There are an unlimited number of people, an unlimited number of relationships, but which would be or could be compatible to you. And so if you're footloose and fancy free and you're looking for a relationship, I would be more invested in figuring out why this is not the relationship for you than trying to figure out why it is the relationship for you. I'll do an episode two on how to attract the right relationship or the ideal relationship for you whether or not you're in a relationship already or not. Because if you're currently in a relationship and it doesn't quite feel like it's meeting your criteria, meeting the standard, if you begin focusing on the things that you want, the things you want to attract, the circumstances, the dynamics, it may be right before you. You may call that forth from your partner once you begin focusing on it, or they may just go away. The relationship may just quietly end. Now, before I go too far, I just want to readdress this idea of disqualifying a relationship on the front end, figuring out all the reasons on why this is not the right relationship. And there is the danger of you coming across, not necessarily a danger, but there could be the perception that you're just being too picky. Well, frankly, I don't think you can be too picky unless there's criteria there that people just can't seem to meet. Again, we want to focus in on the essence of what we want and not necessarily the form of the way we think it should come. And we'll get more into that in a future episode. But I just wanted to reiterate the thing that really bothered me was this uh, this whole organization that took advantage of people's need or their insecurity about attracting the right relationship, saying that they could assist them in getting it. Not, not even just a system in getting it, they could get it for them. There was a guarantee to it. And the videos and the communication that was presented from the leadership of this group was really disturbing for me as a coach. And it really bothered me when I visited their Facebook page and saw that there were 74,000 members in their Facebook group. I realized they are not all customers. They're not all investing in this organization But they're in a conversation that I do not believe is healthy. And that's why I did this episode. Because it is my desire for you that you continue to live from inner authority. Be inner directed, following your bliss, accepting yourself as whole and complete. Knowing that you have all the resources you need and that you require within you. It's just a matter of unleashing them or bringing them out. 
So until next time, this is your friend and host, Daniel Danovi, urging you to follow your bliss. Live your life from inner signals, be inner directed as you engage in the epic adventure. (laughs) 